This talk was given by John Dido Lori Roshi. Dido Roshi was the founder of Zen Mountain Monastery and the Mountains and Rivers Order and served as the guiding teacher for almost 30 years until his passing in 2009. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you'd like to make a donation or find out more about our retreats and residency programs, visit our website at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. Master Dogen's 300 Koan Shogogenzo, Case 55. Dongshan's Dharma Bodies, the main case. Master Dongshan was once asked by a monastic, among the three Buddha bodies, which one expounds the Dharma? Dongshan said, I am always intimate with this. Later, a monastic asked Kaoshan. Dongshan said, I am always intimate with this. What does that mean? Kaoshan said, if you need a head, chop chop my head off and take it with you. Also, a monastic asked Xie Feng about this. Xie Feng suddenly hit the monastic with his staff and said, I have also been to Dongshan. The commentary. This monastic questioning Dongshan wanted to break up the truth of the universe into fragments and segments. The old master held up intimacy for him to see. Later, this became a sticking point for Zen monastics all over China. Kaoshan offered his head to make the same point, but it did not seem to settle the matter. Another monastic bringing it up with Xie Feng felt the sting of his staff. Dongshan plays a tune that few can hear. Kaoshan, hearing it, knows how to dance to it. And Shifeng, seeing it all come down, claps out the beat. Can you hear them? Although it is in three-part harmony, it is in reality just one thing. See into it here, and you too will be able to join in and make it a quartet. The capping verse. The old master's intimacy is indeed touching, but until you know the skin of your own face, you will never know it, and yet you can never avoid it. Now, I've chosen this koan. It's one that I've done before because uh, of its appearance in the fascicle that we're studying for this 90-day training period, the painted cakes. And in the opening paragraph, Dogen makes reference to Dongshan's statement, I am always intimate with this. What does it mean? Um, I added some footnotes uh, to the main case here that may help you understand what's going on in the dialogue. Dongshan was once asked by a monastic among the three Buddha bodies, which one expounds the Dharma? And the footnote to that says, show me one of the Dharma bodies and I'll tell you. And the reason for that statement is that the Buddha bodies, the Buddha bodies you should understand are the Dharmakaya, Sambhokaya, and Nirmanakaya. <coughs> and this... Uh, It's called the trikaya, or the three bodies of the Buddha. And it appears in the uh, uh, Yogacara school and uh, was uh, developed in Mahayana Buddhism. 
Um, and uh, it speaks of uh, these three bodies in terms of uh, a kind of dimension of existence, three levels of being. And the Dharmakaya is the truth or reality body, uh, the absolute basis of reality. Um, the Sambhokaya is uh, the, the um, body of bliss. Uh, it has to do with mental powers. Uh, it uh, refers to the ability of one's mind to manifest in relation uh, to things. Um, the Sambhokaya is connected with communication, both on verbal and nonverbal levels. Um, um, it's associated with the idea of relating so that speech means not just the capacity to use words, but the ability to communicate on all levels. Um, Sambhokaya, like the Dharmakaya and the Nirmanakaya, are already embodied within each sentient being, uh, and they come into fruition through realization. Nirmanakaya is the physical aspect of an enlightened being. Um, it's uh, classically the body, the Buddha's appearance in the world. Um, the idea uh, of the three bodies shouldn't mislead us into thinking that there are three different entities. Dhammakaya, Sambhokaya uh, are states of being. Um, uh, they exist in all sentient beings uh, and they are one reality but they are kind of different aspects of consciousness. It's just simply a way of expressing uh, the embodiment of this wisdom in a person or in a Buddha. So, how do you show one of the bodies of the Buddha? You know, and that's what the footnote is pointing to. Show me one of the three bodies and I'll tell you. If you can do that, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. The next line says, Dong Shan said, I'm always intimate with this. Footnote to that says, what is this? Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Later, a monastic asked Kao Shan, Dong Shan said, I'm always intimate with this. What does it mean? Footnote to that said, you've come to the wrong place to find a meaning. And the next line says, Kaushan said, if you need a head, chop my head off and take it with you. And uh, the footnote to that says, which part expounds the Dharma, the head or the body? Also, a monastic asked Shefeng Feng about this, and Shefeng Feng suddenly hit the monastic with his staff. The footnote to that says, finally, all the extras stripped away. You can always count on Shefeng Feng to get to the heart of the matter. What does that mean? I mean, what's, what's that smack in the mouth with the staff about? And how does it get to the heart of the matter? And then he said, I have also been to Dongshan. And the footnote to that says, in the heat of the kitchen, he obtained Dongshan's dharma. Shefeng used to study with Dongshan. He was a cook. And it's in the kitchen that uh, he came to enlightenment in a dialogue with Dongshan. And so the first line of the commentary says this monastic questioning Dongshan, 
wanted to break up the truth of the universe into fragments and segments. One reality. The body of all beings. Your body and my body, whether you've realized it or not. In intimacy, the 10,000 things have merged. And because of that, it's impossible to speak of them. In understanding, heaven and earth are separate, and yet nothing is hidden. Our tendency is to constantly fragment things, constantly separate things out between this and that, self and other, all of the different compartments and categorizations that we have. It's the way we understand ourselves, and it's the way we understand the universe, and it's the main gate to pain and suffering. The next line says, the old master held up intimacy for him to see. How did he hold it up? What does it mean to hold up intimacy? This morning you chanted about it. The subtle source is clear and bright. The tributary streams flow through the darkness. To be attached to things is illusion. But to encounter the absolute is not yet enlightenment. Each and all the subjective and objective spheres are related and at the same time independent. Related yet working differently, though each keeps its own place. So how do we learn to see that interrelationship? And not only how to see it, how to take it into the activity of our lives. To be able to live a life in a world that's diluted into thinking everything is separate and distinct, and to maintain the clarity of the unity of all things and yet function in that differentiation. That's what our practice is about. That same sutra says, within light there is darkness, but do not try to understand that darkness. So it's not something that you're going to go to with your intellect and figure it out. Within darkness there is light, but do not look for that light. The minute you start looking for it, there's no longer darkness. Keep in mind that darkness is speaking of the absolute basis of reality. In darkness there is no differentiation. There's no way to separate this and that. It's all one thing in that darkness. The light is the world of differentiation. There you see the differences. So within darkness, there is light. There is differentiation in that absolute. But the minute you look for it, you're just totally in the world of difference. Light and darkness are a pair, like the foot before and the foot behind in walking. They don't function separately. They must function together, otherwise it's not walking. Each thing has its own intrinsic value and is related to everything else in function and position. What a thought. Each one of us, no matter how important or how insignificant we are, we're related to everything else in function and position. We're important. Ordinary life fits the absolute as a box and its lid. 
The absolute works together with the relative like two arrows meeting in midair. And that's the truth of the universe, that meeting point of the two arrows. That's our life. Unfortunately, we don't live it that way. So later, this became a sticking point for Zen monastics all over China, this intimacy. And sticking point is where people hold on to it and keep repeating it, and we have them here. It's kind of interesting to see how over the past 25 years, there are certain sayings and phrases that people keep bringing up as a way of expressing the Dharma. And my job is to try to get people to express it newly, express it in a fresh way, express it out of their own experience, not what they've heard, not what they've read, not what they think, not what they believe, but what they've experienced. That's what makes it alive. That's what creates transformation of our way of seeing the world and ourselves. Although we may speak of the absolute and the relative as if they were two things, the truth is that they're in fact one reality. In one, there are the 10,000 things. So when you say unity, it contains the 10,000 things. In the 10,000 things, there's just one. Kaushan offered his head to make the same point, but it didn't seem to settle the matter. Basically saying, if you think it can be separated, take it. Is a head and a decapitated body still Kaushan? You take the head off. Is one of the bodies of the Buddha still the Buddha body? So that question right from the beginning reveals the monk's ignorance. When Kaushan had left, left Dongshan, Kaushan was a successor of Dongshan. Dongshan, you should know, is the beginning of our lineage, what we call the Soto lineage. It began with him, Master Tozan. He and Master Kaushan together created the uh, Soto school of Zen. So Kaushan was a very important successor. And when he had completed his study, he went to say goodbye to his teacher. Dongshan said, where are you going? And Kaushan said, I'm not going to a different place. Dongshan said, you're not going to a different place, but nonetheless, you're still going. Kaushan said, I'm not, I'm going, but I'm not going to a different place. Dogen speaks of this in the fascicle Hanzan, which we've already done here, one of the Angos recently, which means literally encountering everywhere. It means encountering the teacher and the teachings everywhere. Dogen says it does not mean calmly and idly entering one subject and leaving another. Encountering everywhere means seeing with the whole eyeball. Encountering everywhere means attaining complete intimacy. 
It is movement without strings tied to the feet. That is, it's total freedom. Freedom to move anywhere. And still not leave intimacy. Another monastic bringing it up with Shefeng felt the sting of his staff, the commentary says. What's the message here? Is this some kind of punishment? And our natural tendency is to think that that's what it is. But it's not. This was not a punishment of any form, shape, or matter. What that monastic was asking him, what does I am always intimate with this mean? And think about it. I mean, in those days... There was a whole different culture, a whole different time, a whole different paradigm. But is it any different than just pushing on somebody, just touching them, poking them? What does intimacy mean? The way intimacy is being used by Dogen and in the Dharma is very different than the way we use it in common language. It means no separation whatsoever. No self and other. It means non-dualism. Shefeng suddenly hit the monastic with his staff and said, I have also been to Dongshan. And the footnote to that says, in the heat of the kitchen, he obtained Dongshan's dharma. <coughs> he was the rice cook for Dongshan. And one day he was in the kitchen and he was straining the rice and Dongshan walked in and uh, he said, the, so in the preparation, you know, in preparation for cooking the rice, he was washing it, essentially. And he said, Dong Shan said, um, do you strain the rice out from the sand or you, do you strain the sand out from the rice? And Shifeng said, sand and rice are both strained out at once. And Dong Shan said, in that case, what would the monks eat? If you remove them both. And Shefeng kicked over the rice pot. And Dong Shan said, Go. Your affinity is not with me, it's with Deshan. And sent him to Deshan, Master Deshan. Was he disapproving? Was he approving? What, what was the point being made here in terms of rice and sand? What was the point being made with the sixth ancestor? with the husks and the rice? Is it any different than self and other? And when I say self and other, I'm not talking about some kind of an abstraction. I'm talking about literally self and other at the gut level. The person sitting next to you. The person on the subway sitting across from you. The person who is lost everything they held dear in New Orleans. The person who has lost a child or a son in Iraq. The people who go to bed hungry every night. That's what intimacy is about. It's not some kind of a esoteric religious notion. It's real stuff. It's nitty-gritty gut stuff. 
Because if you don't feel it with your whole body and mind, you don't do anything about it. You might as well just sit and watch television and ooh and ah as they show the pain and destruction that these people are enduring. The next line says, Dong Shan plays a tune that few can hear. Most of us are tone deaf. That's why we can't hear it. The tune is the tune of intimacy. But we're tone deaf. We're tone deaf from our conditioning. We've learned to tune things out that are uncomfortable. We become callous to pain and suffering. It's, it's like a movie. In fact, people even talk about it that way. They say, oh, it was, it was like being in a movie during the hurricane. The movies have become reality. And all of the newsmakers know that. So they add a soundtrack to it with music that is competition for any soundtrack, musical soundtrack of the most dramatic movie you've ever seen. And what do we do? We watch the movie. Or shed a tear or two. We do that in the movie theater too. Is that what it's about? Is that what the vow of the bodhisattva is about? Is that what Buddha's realization was about? So we're either deaf from our conditioning or we just can't hear because of all the internal noise because of our own personal preoccupation. The dialogues. So Dong Shan plays a tune that few can hear. Kao Shan, hearing it, knows how to dance to it. The dance is in his bones. It's in your bones, that dance. No one can teach it to you because it's already yours. It's there. Hear the music and dance. Don't think about it. Just let your bones dance and everything else will follow. But the minute you start thinking about it, you're in a different realm. You're in the realm of differentiation, of evaluation, of analysis, of judgment, of good and bad and this and that. And there's no place for intimacy. So Kao Shan knows how to dance to it, and Shei Feng, seeing it all come down, claps out the beat. There's no score for all of this. It's intuitive. It's in eight. These are the qualities that we're born with. They're there. But they somehow get covered over. Somehow, in the process of going from cradle to grave, we manage to obscure that fundamental Buddha nature, that fundamental goodness. That's the life of each one of us. Then the next line says, Can you hear them? Can you hear Kaoshan, Shi Feng, Nongshan with this beautiful music and dance? If not, the only way to hear it is to take 
the backward step and trust yourself. You're not going to get it from somebody. You're sure as hell not going to get it from me. Because you've got it. You've got to discover it. You've got to create the kind of consciousness that will let it in. And that's the backward step. That's Zazen. And the next line says, although it's in three-part harmony, it is in reality just one thing. What is that one thing? Where is that one thing? We live in a world and at a time where everything is separated into classes, colors, gender, haves, have not, and on and on and on and on. The world we live in is run on the basis of dualism. And although for 2,000 years there have been people who have realized the non-dual nature of the universe, somehow it's never reached a critical mass, that dualism is always there. So our societies, our governments, our medicine, our relationships, are all based on dualism. And yet, although disasters will continue to happen, such as terrorism, 9-11, It's happened in Spain and England. It's going to go on. It's going to continue. We're in that period of time in the history of humankind. It's inevitable. And although that's going to happen, and although natural disasters will continue to happen, hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes, what I see is that ordinary, everyday people willingly respond without hesitation or fear. They don't wait to be asked. They just do it. Ordinary people. Not the governments, not the army. The person in the street. A housewife. A school teacher. They rent trucks, they fill it with clothing and food, and they drive down there. Or they fly to to wherever the problem is. And they do it willingly, without hesitation, without fear. And this is in spite of the lethargy and the dull-wittedness of governments and our leadership. While they're contemplating their navel in Washington, the people respond. It it seems to me that the heart of the people seems to be in the right place. And I've always contended this. I mean, if I didn't believe that, if I didn't believe that there's a basic goodness in being born human, how, how could I do what I do for a living? I mean, if I thought it was all corrupt and evil, I'd have a gun and I'd be fighting. I truly believe that we're basically good and we just need to see how to give life to that and how to get it going. And even when nobody shows us that, people seem to know how to do it. So there's this 
clear evidence of, of a basic goodness. And I feel our leadership should reflect that. And each one of us should take responsibility to see that that happens, to see that that basic goodness is represented in our House of Representatives, in our Senate, in our presidency, in our governor, in our mayors, in our police chiefs, in our school teachers. All the other stuff is good, too. Good managers, you know, financial management and all that stuff. That's good stuff. But the basic goodness needs to be there, too. In other words, there is a moral and ethical fiber that's present in people that has not found its way into the leadership of the people. The next time you vote, see if you can find the moral and ethical fiber in your candidate. And if it's not there, tell them you want to hear about it. We're all sailing on the same ship. It's all one thing. And the final line says, see into it here and you will be able to join in and make it a quartet, a trio. In actual fact, when you do join in, you'll find that it's not a quartet, really. It's just one voice. And if you've ever sang three-part harmony or four-part harmony, you realize when you're singing, it's just like it's your own voice. Everything comes together. And if any one of those people just goes off a little bit as discordant, the whole thing shakes. It starts to come apart. And when it's working, it's beautiful. And it doesn't belong to any one person. It's just like the overtones in here. When we chant, when the liturgy is just right, there are overtones and combinations that happen because of whoever the voices are that are here. The shape of the building, I have no idea what. And I hear voices singing that don't belong to anybody that's here. They're harmonics. They're overtones. They're, I call them angel voices, you know, because it doesn't belong to anybody. It's our collective voice. The capping verse. The old master's intimacy is indeed touching. But until you know the skin of your own face, you will never know it. And yet, you can never avoid it. That phrase, the skin of your own face, is Dogen's phrase in Henzan. It means you need to be intimate with yourself. That's where it all starts. Know yourself. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Who am I? What is this life? Where am I going with it? What am I doing with it? What could I do with it? Not just what am I doing with it. What could I do with it? What is death? Your death. What is truth? What is reality? What is God? These are important questions. They're to be studied carefully. Explored exhaustively. And the only way to do that is to enter the picture. 
see it from the inside. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about the monastery's programs, weekend retreats, and residency, please visit our website at cmm.org.